Today's episode of Crossover Thursday on the Lockdown Eagles podcast is sponsored by Pepsi. This football season has been different, and Pepsi is here to get you ready for game day no matter how you watch this season. Pepsi is the refreshment you need to power through game day and become a member of the League of Football Watchers because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game, it's made for those who watch it. Pepsi, made for football watching. Go to madeforfootballwatching.com to check out the latest football watching content from Pepsi. You are Locked On Eagles, your daily Philadelphia Eagles podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, Giant fans and Eagle fans, welcome to the crossover section of the Locked On Giants podcast. Ah, Let me start that again. Hey, welcome back, Giant fans, and welcome to the Eagle fans to the crossover section of the Locked on Giants podcast and the Locked on Eagles podcast. Patricia Trena, host of the Locked on Giants podcast, that is me, and I'm joined by Gino Camilleri. He is one of the co-hosts of the Locked on Eagles podcast, and Gino, always a pleasure to talk to you. Definitely, Patricia. I know it's going on year three that I've been here with the Lockdown Podcast Network, and I, I think we've had a lot of good matchups to preview, a lot of good off-season talk. So we're, we're just continuing to roll on in another Thursday night matchup, which it seems to be every year we get one of these matchups between the Eagles and Giants. And on a national stage, a team that is 1-4-1 and one against a team that's 1-5, and five, I know there isn't much interest from a national perspective, but hey, us in the NFC East, we always know that it's wide open for the taking. So this is a huge matchup on Thursday night. Indeed, and it's uh, the return of head coach Joe Judge to the Philadelphia area. Joe Judge being a Philadelphia, well, I guess a Philly metro area Mm. native. He grew up uh, in the area. And, Gino, let's start off, let's, let's start breaking down this Eagles team here I I guess I should ask you who's going to play because this team just has so many injuries can you just talk about some of the key ones and what the Eagles might be thinking in terms of compensating for the guys that they're missing yeah I mean you talk about injuries and key injuries when you have nine starters out on offense I think that's a ton of key injuries and just way too many and we were talking before the show that the last four years really have been just injury laden here in Philadelphia and we've seen so many guys at the offensive line defensive line wide receiver and cornerback position and right now your offensive line you're down to your third option at left tackle your fifth option at right guard who knows if Lane Johnson is going to play on Thursday at right tackle Jason Kelsey is the lone survivor there and the people outside of Philadelphia that always talked about the most injury riddled player in Philly being Carson Wentz has been the one healthy guy there outside of Jason Kelsey so it kind of is for the fans of Game of Thrones Jon Snow in the Battle of the Bastards episode, wielding his sword against this oncoming army that the last two weeks was two of the top three defenses. And Carson Wentz has went out there and put up some good performances. So even with these injuries, I think this team has overcame adversity. And if you saw the Cowboys game the other night against Arizona, when they were down to a lot of injuries and their offensive line was riddled and Dak Prescott, we know, is out, they had a hard time overcoming adversity. But the Eagles... Look what they did against two very good teams the last two weeks. I think this is the game that it is crazy to say that at 1-4-1, you can go ahead and take first place in the NFC East, but 
you have to win those division games, and with five of them remaining, this is a great place to start going against the Giants on Thursday night. Then you have 10 days to prepare for a beat-up Dallas team before your bye week, where then you once again play the Giants. These next four weeks are going to be huge for your organization, and we talk about the injuries a lot of these players are going to be healthy. Hopefully, we should see Deshaun coming back on Thursday night. Hopefully, Elshon Jeffrey can play. Avante Maddox is suspected of playing as well. And Lane Johnson, fingers crossed, he is the key to make this offense go. And if he is playing on Thursday night, I will feel much more encouraged of this offense moving forward. Gino, let's talk a little bit about some of the, um, I, I call them slash players, and, and I call them slash players because they they can play, you know, multiple roles. I think you've got mm-hmm. to start with um, Jalen Hurts, quarterback, who is, you know, slowly getting more and more reps, I think, um, at different positions. Um Hakeem Butler, who came out of school, I think he was a wide receiver out of mm-hmm. school, and now he's been playing some tight end because, you know, that six-foot six size. What have you seen from them and what are your expectations from those slash guys? Absolutely. I think it's a great point that you brought up Hakeem Butler because you are without Dallas Goddard and Zach Ertz. So right now your number one tight end is Richard Rogers and Hakeem Butler, I suspect is going to get a ton of playing time because the only other tight end on the roster is Jason Kroom, who played one snap last week right after he was picked up off the Buffalo practice squad when he was released. Went out there and got a touchdown, but I don't think he's going to be 100% every time he goes out there. So Hakeem Butler, absolutely. I think he is a guy that is a matchup nightmare, and I talk about this on the show with Lou all the time. When you are playing football on offense, you kind of want to build it like a basketball team. And think about Hakeem Butler. He is a guy that technically he's going to play the number two position, your power your power guard role, but he's going to go against guys that, I mean, who in the slot is over six foot defending a guy like that? I mean, you're going to get favorable matchups with safeties and linebackers on Akeem Butler. And frankly, that's kind of what the Eagles have tried to do with Jalen Hurts as well and make the team play 11 on 11 against this Eagles offense because frankly, they can barely field 11 guys on offense. So you have to play the guys that are played play the guys that are on your roster rather. And would it have been nice to draft an additional wide receiver or running back in round two? Yeah, I would say so. But Jalen Hurts, when he has been out there on the field, you said it, Patricia, he has been effective. And Doug Peterson even said that in his press conference the other day, they're going to have to find a way to get him more snaps. And if you look at the evolution of offenses the past couple years, this isn't the first time we have seen this in offense as we saw it with um, Lamar Jackson and Joe Flacco. We saw it in Denver. And there's two guys in the Eagles organization and Rich Scangarello and Marty Morningwake who've been in those systems and in those two quarterback systems. So you have seen a lot of their expertise kind of rub off in that area. And if Jalen Hurts and Carson Wentz being on the field together is going to average you 10 yards per play, you're going to have to continue to do that because – When all the chips are stacked against you and you have no wide receivers and you have no tight ends and you have no running backs, you have to get your best players on the field. And frankly, Jalen Hurts' athleticism is too good to keep on the sidelines against defenses because if you looked at what he did in his limited snaps against Baltimore and Pittsburgh, he made some very, very good defenders look very silly trying to take him down in the open field. Gino, in terms of uh, the receivers, I know the Eagles have been banged up there. 
would you say at this point that maybe the tight end game is going to be is is going to maybe take more precedence over the receivers or you know I know Deshaun Jackson is is uh, going to be in there I think he's going to be in there at any rate um, but still some injuries at that unit I mean how much do you think that's all going to factor in I mean will we see more more pass targets maybe to the tight ends or do you think there'll be more of a balance or will we see you know the running game you know without Miles Sanders maybe that they'll sneak into the equation Definitely. I think it would be the latter of the two that you had said. And the thing is, Boston Scott and Corey Clement aren't the best north to south running backs, but they're two guys that are very effective in the pass game. And I I actually mentioned that last week on the show before the matchup against Pittsburgh and Baltimore that you want to get Boston Scott in the open field, finding him in the flat and finding him in in the slot sometimes even. And I, I think you're going to have to do that and spread these defenses out more because I don't think you can rely on passing through Richard Rogers and Jason Kroom and Hakeem Butler. There's just not enough effectiveness there in my eye to continue to go 12 personnel heavy with the current state of the roster. In terms of the wide receivers, I really think that this is one time that we have kind of seen the receivers step up when it matters. And you have a guy that a couple of weeks ago, nobody had any idea who he was in Travis Fulham. And frankly, if you're a fan of the draft as much as I am, Fulham was definitely a wide receiver that was on my radar. And right now he is the number two highest graded player, according to DVOA at a 46.5% rating, which measures efficiency. And on offense, the Eagles have been lacking efficiency for quite some time. And Fulham has come out and put up two, now three very good performances against three solid defenses in the Niners, the Steelers, and the Ravens, respectively. And with Deshaun coming back, with Elshon hopefully coming back, the emergence of players like Greg Ward and John Hightower for once in the Carson Wentz era, we have this issue of how are we going to get all of these wide receivers playing time? And frankly, I don't think you can take Travis Fulham off the field, but at the same time, I don't think you can afford to keep Deshaun Jackson off the field, especially when you're going against this New York Giants team and this Dallas team come next week that frankly don't have the most powerful secondaries. So I think there's going to be that balance that they're going to find between passing through the running game and passing through their wide receivers. But I think if you were going to rank it right now, I would say you're going to see the wide receivers get a bulk of the load, probably being the most effective this Sunday. Then the running backs, and I would say number three would be tight ends because Richard Rodgers, he's been pretty good the last couple weeks, but he's not Dallas Goddard. He's not Zach Ertz. And frankly, he wasn't even on the roster before this season had started, and I don't think he even would have been on this roster if they didn't waive undrafted free agent Noah Tajiai, which was claimed by the Indianapolis Colts. So I think they're going to go very wide receiver heavy, especially against these two secondaries that I think they will have favorable matchups against the next two weeks. Hey guys, Louis DiBiase of Locked On Eagles, interrupting Gino and Patricia just for a minute to tell you about our sponsor today, rockauto.com. One reason to repair and to maintain your cars is to save money, right? So you can save that money for things like the mortgage or food. Why would you choose to spend 30%, 50%, 100% more for the exact same auto parts at a chain store 
or a new car dealership when you can go to rockauto.com. Chain stores have different price tiers for professional mechanics and do-it-yourselfers. Rockauto.com's prices are exactly the same for everybody, and they're always reliably low. It's a family business serving auto part customers online for 20 years. Make sure you go to rockauto.com. You're going to find hundreds of manufacturing parts auto and body. They have everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Whether it's for your classic or daily driver, get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your baby, your car, your truck. Make sure you write down Locked On in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need at rockauto.com. We're talking with Gino Camilleri. He's one of the co-hosts of Locked On Eagles here on the Crossover Show. And Gino, I have to ask you about the defense. Mm-hmm. Now, I've been doing some, uh, as before we recorded this show, I had done some study on the Eagles defense and a couple of things that popped out to me. Maybe you can shed some light on it. The Eagles look like they've struggled against opposing tight ends. Mm-hmm. What has been... Uh, going on there. I mean, I think they've given up something like five touchdowns in six games. Of course, three of them came in one game to Tyler Higby, but, you know, usually it's the Giants who struggle against tight ends. It looks like the Eagles have been having struggles against the position. Yeah, I would say that Evan Ingram, if things continue to go at the rate that they have been, should be in for a big night come Thursday because, frankly, I'm a big root cause analysis person and I love to address the root of the issue. And it simply boils down to one individual player, and that is Nate Geary, who this team relies on to do a lot of things at the linebacker position, which, frankly, he is just unsuited for. I would probably put him at the bottom uh, bottom five players in the NFL in total, and I know I'm very harsh on him, but, frankly, he's given up 23 of 24 targets. He had his first pass breakup in the entire season last week, which, frankly, I think it was just a bad ball from Lamar Jackson. It was more him just being in the right place at the right time, which frankly he never really is. And that's why you see guys like Tyler Higby and Logan Thomas going out there and having very big weeks because he struggles with mental processing. He struggles with the athletic side of the ball. And right now the options at linebacker are so weak due to injuries that you only have two rookies in Sean Bradley and Davian Taylor, which Jim Schwartz just seems to kind of refuse to play, who are both more athletic options than Nate Gary. But they have started to get some snaps the last few weeks. But the thing is, Jim Schwartz is just attached to a few players at the hip. Jalen Mills, Nate Geary, and he really just doesn't see any wrong in them. And as long as Nate Geary is going to continue to be out on the field, the middle of the field is where offenses need to attack both in the running game and the pass game. And that's why you see tight ends have success. And it's not going to get much easier as the season goes on with some of these big names that they're going to play in. Frankly, I'm terrified to see what Evan Ingram can do. I think he can go for at least 150 in this game if they continue to target him, and I would. If, you, if you're watching tape and you're designing an offensive game plan, you look at what Shanahan and these other great play designers have done, you run the offense through the tight end against the Eagles defense. It's just it, it's an effective strategy. It's average teams 30 points a game, so why not? If it's not broke, don't fix it. And I think it's an easy game plan to continue to stick to because the Eagles defense, they do not make adjustments on the fly. And frankly, that's been the one unredeeming quality is that middle of the field and that linebacking unit. 
And certainly given that the Giants receivers are banged up and kind of thin, we don't know as we record this if the Giants will have Sterling Shepard back. I doubt they will, but, you know, you never know. It hasn't been decided as we record this. That certainly makes sense. Um, I also wanted to ask you about another statistic that I that I saw, and that is um, teams are having success, it looks like, on end arounds and rushes, particularly to the right side of the mm-hmm. formation. What's going on there um, that, that's allowed teams to be so successful? I think it's kind of a lot of what I said in regards to the last statement and that, that the linebacker unit is just very undisciplined. I mean, when you think about end arounds, you, you have to ha- be the linebacker on the edge. Usually the weak side linebacker has to play the contain role and be the last guy on the edge to chase him down. Frankly, we haven't had athletic enough linebackers to get to the end, to get to the numbers, to get to the sidelines. We haven't had linebackers that understand the mental part of the game. If you go back and watch Chase Claypool's touchdowns a couple weeks ago on those end arounds, it was just simply not understanding the basics of of football and being gap sound and, and just sticking to your gap. And I think motion-heavy teams are going to continue to have success against this Eagles uh, defense because they go for that quote-unquote eye candy, all the trickery in the backfield, and they're they're just very undisciplined in the middle of the field. And the reason is Jim Schwartz allows his front four to go out there and attack the quarterback. So they're not worried about these end-arounds, those front four guys. They're worried about getting pressures, and right now they're leading the league in sacks. They're right up at the top in advanced analytics in terms of pressure ratings. And that's what we've wanted to see out of Jim Schwartz's unit. But the thing is, the guys behind him that can't clean up the other stuff, the motions, the end arounds, those trick plays, the tight ends, that kills them. And when you could get the ball in the open field, and especially when the Eagles' corners play 15 yards off, it seems, you're going to get a lot of yards after the carry, and the Eagles have struggled in that regard. And just using motions against this Eagles defense is a highly successful way to gain yards. And something certainly I expect to see from the Giants' offensive game plan. I think they showed a little bit more of that last week against Washington. Gino, final question for you. Um, As we record this, it's been reported that Malik Jackson may not play Thursday night. If he doesn't play, how does that affect Fletcher Cox? Yeah, I, I think that is a very good question because Malik actually leads the team in pressures generated from the inside, which is huge. But the great thing is, and the one thing I love about this organization since I've I've been a kid, I mean, you look at it, the, the great defensive lines that they've always had, that's one thing that this team prides themselves on is having elite players at the defensive line. So yes, Malik Jackson being out would hurt because the, it takes away a body on the interior. But they did protect T.Y. McGill, a familiar face here on the interior, to get some snaps, probably as defensive tackle four. But it's also great when you have Vinnie Curry and Brandon Graham, two players on the edge that you can move inside. You also have a guy in Javon Hargrave, who was a top player for the Steelers the last few years on the interior signed as one of the top pass rushers from the interior here to Philadelphia, that absolutely helps Fletcher Cox. And I could say right now that the way Fletcher Cox has been playing the last few weeks has probably been one of the better stretches I've seen in his career. And he's he's starting to dominate those double teams and starting to dominate those one-on-one matchups, which in the last few years, those injuries with his his foot, you can definitely have tell have 
been able to see that it's hurt his explosion. And I, I think you see it this time around going against the Giants offensive line that frankly, I know what it is to get pressured by Carson Wentz at 71 pressures against them. I know that Daniel Jones is in the same boat. I expect that to be one of the matchups that, hey, Jim Schwartz is going to look his front four guys in the eye and say, this is the one you need to win. You guys need to go out there and absolutely dominate come Thursday night. Even without Malik Jackson, you have players all around the board and Josh Sweat and Hassan Ridgeway and depth players that can come in and play meaningful snaps. So yes, it will hurt to not have your leading pressure producer be in the middle of the defense, but it's great when you have other all pro caliber players all along the defensive line. All right, that'll uh, do it for the Eagles section of the crossover show. That's Gino Camilleri. We're going to take a break, and when we come back, we're going to flip it over to the Giants section. Gino's going to ask me questions about the Giants. So, folks, stay with us. We'll be right back. All right, one more time interrupting Gino and Patricia, I promise. This is Lou DiBiase of Lockdown Eagles. Today's Crossover Thursday is sponsored by Pepsi. This football season's been different, and Pepsi is here to get you ready for game day week after week, no matter how you watch. Pepsi is the refreshment you need to power through game day because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game. It's made for those who watch it. Pepsi, made for football watching. Go to madeforfootballwatching.com to check out the latest football watching content from Pepsi. All right, everybody, welcome on back for this final segment of Crossover Thursday, preparing for the Thursday night spectacle. That's one way to put it between the Philadelphia Eagles and the New York Giants. Gino Camilleri, co-host of the Lockdown Eagles podcast, joined once again by Patricia Trena. Patricia, the NFC East, it is really one of the conundrums that I don't think will ever be solved, and it is really one of the divisions in football that makes the NFL such a fantastic and puzzling league all at the same time. The 1-4-1 Philadelphia Eagles are taking on the 1-5 New York Giants. I think the state of both of these organizations, even though the records would say they're kind of in the same area, are a little bit different. So give us the tale of this 1-5 Giants team so far and really where they stand so far in a little over quarter way through the season. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting, Gino, because other than really the week three blowout loss to the 49ers B team, the Giants have actually been a little bit more competitive in most of their games. I mean, especially you look at what happened the in the ensuing games after that week three loss to the 49ers you know they just you know a, a play here you know they they don't make a mistake on coverage against the Rams and you know Daniel Jones doesn't throw a turnover maybe they beat the Rams Dallas they came very close to beating that team and then of course everything you know the third time was a charm against Washington last week they were able to hold on now granted they're not rolling over people but what I like about the Giants in the direction they're headed is even though the record doesn't show it, they are taking baby steps. They are remaining competitive. You know, they're not making the types of mistakes that we saw week after week after week, you know, last year. And I think Joe Judge, the new head coach, has this team going in the right direction. It's going to be a while, I think, before we really see the, the, the fruits of that labor. But I think we're starting to see little tiny glimpses of it that give us hope that this team is going to maybe turn it around in the next year or so. Absolutely. And I want to stick with Joe Judge, somebody that's very familiar to the Philadelphia area. 
coming off of just a few seasons for the Giants that have just been a, a roller coaster, would you say so far that Joe Judge has kind of pushed this team back on the track in, in terms of culture and in, in terms of being more disciplined? Have you have you seen those little areas such as the penalties and just getting lined up correctly? Have you seen those areas kind of come into fruition in the early days of Joe Judge? Oh, absolutely. I mean, you know, I, I look at the job he's done and I can honestly sit here and say that while I don't agree with everything he's done, I see what he's trying to do. I see the purpose behind it. And, you know, people scoff at the at the culture. And, you know, I, I don't want to take a swing at the Jets, but you look at what's going on in their locker room, mm-hmm. how players are getting frustrated. You know, they were they were winless too. They still are winless, you know, like the Giants were. But the difference between the Giants and the Jets is in the culture. The Giants are, not, you know, they're playing hard. They're not giving up. You know, they, they're sticking it with the program and they're buying what the coaching staff is selling, whereas the Jets, not so much. So, you know, people, like I said, they, they, they scoff at, at culture because, you know, obviously culture hasn't gotten the Giants much in the last several years, but you again, you see that foundation being built, and you know, Joe Judge has been thinking outside the box for a Giants coach. I mean, I, I just wrote something about it, not the other uh, the other day about things that I like he's done, you know, for example, rotating offensive tackles to find out what he's got and also to get these guys experience considering that, you know, there was no off season or preseason games. You know, I like the fact that he's not afraid to pull guys if they're not performing, you know, nobody's on a scholarship. So there's just so many little things that he's doing that I think make you, take note of, of, of the direction that this team is going. And again, the record doesn't show it yet, but certainly judge, you know, you got to remember this team has just been absolutely wrecked the last several years and Rome wasn't built in a day. The giants aren't going to be built up in a day. You know, you go back a little bit in Giants history to 1979, you know, which was the first year of the George Young era. It took the Giants 79, 80, and 81. And by 1981, they were back in the playoffs against the Eagles, no no less. Mm -hmm. And I just think, you know, once they got the right GM in place, once they got the right head coach in place, um, it it just started to come together. And, you know, then you throw in the players, of course, which is important. So I kind of see the Giants on the same uh, path, if you will, where maybe as soon as next year, you might see them a little bit more competitive than they are now with the results showing up. Absolutely. You mentioned the culture w- with the Jets. And I mean, you even look at another team within the division with Dallas. And I think you look at Washington and the Giants and the, the two coaches and the culture that they've instilled early on. And Rivera and Joe Judge, I think, have their team on track. And you, I love what you said, saying that he's not afraid to pull people. It seems like in Dallas, with players speaking out against Mike McCarthy and these players not really showing much, that even this young team in the Giants and Washington, it, it, it's got to be inspiring to see a direction and a path forward for this team. And I, I really like what you have got 
so far in Joe Judge. And the one combination that really pushes teams forward is that head coach and quarterback combination. So kind of give me the insight what these first six games have been like between Joe Judge and, and Daniel Jones. And is Jones the guy moving forward in your belief? Or do you think that maybe with this new regime that after this year, maybe they look in a different direction? Just kind of give me the lowdown on what's going on there. Yeah, I think they stick with Daniel Jones. I mean, when you look at his performance, you you obviously see things you don't like, you know, the turnovers being one, the interceptions, the decision making. But if you really break some of that stuff down, not all of that is on Daniel Jones. Like you might see, for example, a receiver running the wrong route or, or not getting open or something like that. Now, I'm not saying Daniel Jones is blameless. Don't get me wrong here. But um I, I just think some of those those issues are they've been put on Daniel Jones's plate when in fact they're they're more of a team effort if it so to speak. I think the one area though where Daniel Jones still hasn't quite taken that step forward is in the mental processing arena. Sometimes it just takes him too long to decide, okay, what am I gonna do? And then not just that, but if I just get the impression that he goes to the line and he knows what he has to do. And if something isn't there, what he has to do, it takes him a long time to figure out, okay, now what do I do? And I think that's where he really needs to take the biggest step forward and he'll get there. You know, the more reps he plays, the better he's going to get at that. You've got to remember, you know, um, last week, I believe was his 17th start. So really he's had a full year now as a starting quarterback. So um, people need to take that into consideration, I think, because, look, you can sit there and you can watch all the film you want. You can sit there and watch all the the reps, the practice reps and the game reps from the sideline. But it's kind of like riding a bicycle. You know, you know what to do. You know, you have to sit on the seat. You know, you have to pedal the bicycle in order to move it. But it takes practice and it takes some time to really master the balance of the bicycle and the navigation of it and so forth. And playing quarterback is is kind of like the same thing. I absolutely agree. And and we definitely have, have seen that in Carson Wentz. And one of the things that has been questioned with him is his post-snap processing. And I think that's a point that you brought up with Daniel Jones. And post-snap for both of these quarterbacks, it's been just an escape act for both of them, seeing that Carson Wentz has seen 71 pressures and Daniel Jones has seen 68. Is it a lot to attribute to Daniel Jones post-snap and him holding on to it for too long? Or is that offensive line, especially with a guy like Solder opting out on the season, is it a lot to attribute to them for a lot of the pressures that have occurred? I think it's a mix, Gino, because, you know, remember, you've got three new starters on Mm -hmm. that offensive line. Um, You know, you've got a center in Nick Gates, who he's making progress, but he's never played the position before. You've got, um, you know, a rookie, Andrew Thomas, playing left tackle. Um, Cam Fleming is playing right tackle. He's a new face, even though he's a veteran. So it takes time to build that cohesiveness. And then, like I said, Joe Judge has been rotating in in Matt Parrott who is their Mm -hmm. third-round pick at tackle. He did so last week, you know, largely due to a discipline uh, disciplining of of Andrew Thomas, but also to get some snaps and some looks so that if he ever has to go in there full-time, he's, he's, you know, not going to go in there ice cold, not knowing what to do. So I think 
that's part of it. And then, you know, you also look at the play of the guards. I think the guards are probably the strongest unit on that offensive line, but they've had some hiccups as well. For example, you know, I don't think I've seen that that offensive line pick up a stunt successfully yet. I mean, I might they might have, I might have missed mm-hmm. it, but um, there there are some things that stand out where you say, "Wow, what the heck were they thinking there?" And I think that's just all a matter of communication. So to answer your question, I think some of it is on that offensive line, but some of it is also got to be on Jones for holding onto that ball a little too long. Definitely, and especially with this Eagles defensive front, if you do hold on to the ball, it will be quite a nightmare of a day. And frankly, one of the things that has been the Achilles heel of the Giants the last few seasons is that pass rush. It's actually getting on the board a few times, Patricia. 17 sacks. I mean, who has kind of been that that spark that is that has lit that unit to get them going this season? I, I'm very impressed from what I've seen with them so far. Yeah, I mean, the strength of that unit is, in my opinion, as it was last year, the defensive line. Mm-hmm. I think that defensive line, you know, the, if you think about it, the only addition they really made was they added Austin Johnson. Um, but otherwise, they returned everybody. And that, that unit was, you know, it was strong last year. It's gotten better with this mm-hmm. defensive scheme. You know, Patrick Graham, I got to admit, when they hired him, I had my doubts. I'm like, okay, I'm not sure how I feel about this this hire. But pairing Patrick Graham with Sean Spencer, who's the defensive line coach, wow. I mean, you see – what a difference it's made for Leonard Williams, for example. Leonard Williams has uh, three sacks, and he's getting pressure up front. And, you know, the beauty of it is, is that's opening things up for the linebackers to get in there, shoot gaps, plug up lanes, force guys to the outside, you know, especially in the run game. And that's also preventing, um, you know, some big play runs. I think the Giants run defense is a lot better. You know, they've added speed at the linebacker spot. It's a little banged up at that spot, but just the way that front seven has been working together has just been so, so impressive. And it all starts up front. Definitely. And uh, the last question you talked about up front, how, how it's kind of been the spark for that team, but on the back end, there've been a lot of resources allocated to the defensive back position for the New York Giants. With this new defensive scheme, have you seen the personnel additions kind of reaping the rewards from this new scheme and putting them in a position to be successful? Because I think that can really overcome a lot of issues if the pull, the personnel really isn't there, but if the scheme can kind of coach the players up and get them in a good position. Oh, absolutely. I mean, look no further than what Blake Martinez has done. You know, a lot of people, when they when the Giants signed Blake Martinez, a lot of people are like, why? He's no good, you mm. know. And as you know, Gino, um, ta- not all tackles are considered I- identical when you're talking about a linebacker. You know, mm-hmm. a linebacker can have 100 tackles, but if he's making 90 of them seven or more yards down the field, is that really good production? It's, it's not. Mm-hmm. Blake Martinez has been more active. He's been more of a, um, uh, I don't want to say hunter, but he's, he's, he's made a lot of plays within that, you know, five yard, seven yard range of the line of scrimmage. And he's just bit, I think that he's, he's off to one of his better starts in his career. You know, the numbers are there, but like I said, you look at, at the quality of the tackles that are being made and he's just 
really, really had a good showing. You know, another guy that's really stepped up is his former teammate over in Green Bay, Kyler Fackrell. Mm-hmm. Now, what's interesting is, is, you know, the Giants took a, a one-year flyer on Fackrell, a guy who had double-digit sacks a couple of years ago, kind of fell out a little bit um, when the, when the uh, Packers changed defensive coordinators. Fackrell has really stepped up, and he's, he's basically, his play has buried Marcus Golden, who returned on that one-year UFA tender, who, you know, despite being last year the, the sack leader for the Giants, he hasn't been able to get on the field as much because, of, you know, Fackrell's been playing so well. Patricia Trena joining us for the Lockdown Crossover Thursday to preview the matchup between the Eagles and the Giants. And Patricia, before we get out of here, a 1-4-1 Eagles team versus a 1-5 Giants team. It looks like either team will be playing for a chance to almost lead this division. And it is crazy to say that two wins is enough to be at the forefront. But what do you think is the final outcome of this Thursday night matchup between the Giants and Eagles. Wow, that's a tough one. I, I, I should say that the Eagles are going to probably win it because they always do find a way to beat the Giants. But look, mm-hmm. this is a new era of Giants football. I see a lot of baby steps being made. I think, you know, and, and, and it's interesting because I think with the exception of maybe two blowouts in recent years, the Giants and Eagles, I think that the point differential has been six, if I'm not mistaken, you know, and I'm looking specifically at games played over at Lincoln Financial Field. So I do think that despite the fact that Giants have struggled to win at the link, they have kept it close. I think if the Giants can cut down on their mistakes, I think they can come out with a win here. I mean, you know, the players downplay the fact that you know, the division is so tight right now, but look, they're playing meaningful football. Here it is. It's late October and they are still playing meaningful football. So I got to believe that they, they're aware of the, you know, the NMC East can, you know, standings and what a win and what a loss can do potentially to their goals. And nobody's going to mistake, you know, any team in the NFC East as a world beater. I mean, even if they make it into the playoffs, regardless of who the team is, they probably won't go far, but it's something to build on. And that's what I think the Giants approaches. Let's build this step by step by step, brick by brick. And then eventually we'll have, you know, a nice foundation. We'll have a nice, you know, building structure coming up to where we could potentially add to it down the line. Absolutely. And I think you made a lot of great points and I never suspect any NFC East matchup to be an easy one. I'm I'm thinking this is a close matchup, maybe a three point game either way. Vegas has it right around there too. So I, I think it's a tough matchup there. The NFC East, it always is a puzzle that is just one thing that keeps the NFL interesting. And I'm such a big proponent of saying that the NFC East is the most exciting division in football because you really never know what can happen. And Thursday should be a fun game. So thank you as always for joining us on Locked on Thursday between the Lockdown Eagles and Lockdown Giants podcast. Thank you, Patricia, for joining us. Where can everybody find your work? And moving forward, uh, I look forward to look working again with you in a couple weeks. 
Yeah, you can find me, um, obviously, on Twitter at Patricia underscore Trina. You can also find me on GiantsCountry.com, which is an SI.com sports channel. We're, we're constantly doing uh, live blog. We have a live blog coming up for the for the uh, Giants-Eagles game. You know, Eagle fans, you're welcome to join us. Mm-hmm. Um, we have uh, analysis, um, breakdowns, all kinds of cool stuff on the site. And um, so come on, check us out, register for a free account so you can participate in the live blog. And uh, of course, I, I host a Locked on Giants podcast, as you know. So uh, check that, check us out there. Yeah, Patricia, thank you as always for joining us. And it, it seems like it'll probably be just a couple more days before we're chatting again for the next matchup. Best of luck come Thursday night. I think it should be a fun game. And thank you guys as always for joining us. You know where to find us, Apple Stitcher, SoundCloud, anywhere where you guys can find your podcast, Lockdown Podcast Network. You could find us on Twitter at DBSELOE and at Lockdown Birds. Find our work on LockdownEagles.com, putting out four to five podcasts per week. We will have a reaction show after tomorrow's matchup between the Giants and, and the Eagles. Best of luck tomorrow, Patricia, and thank you guys always for joining us. Thank you for downloading. Thank you for listening, and fly, Eagles, fly.